Welcome to Mudville, a podcast about baseball and cinema. I'm Brody Staub. I'm Nolan Rabine. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back, everybody, to another remote edition of Mudville. My co-host Brody is still in White Plains hosting a Bigfoot convention, but fear not, he won't miss a single episode. Brody, how have you been? Uh, we're still on the hunt. No, we have not gotten him yet. He's he's out there. Everyone knows he's out there. We're we're gonna get him. It's gonna be any day now. Um, what kind of weapons did you guys bring? Well, you know, last time we brought. Uh, like spears and knives and stuff. So we're trying to upgrade the the arsenal this week. Well, we were, that we were didn't looking work, into some tanks. clearly, or else you wouldn't we, be it's back. The, the visual or the uh, the thermal imaging that really feels like it's gonna it's gonna bring us. So that's what we're uh, that's what our sights are set on now. Well, good luck, man. I think you got them. I appreciate the confidence. What's going on, man? How's everything <sighs> been? It's been going on. Um, my new edition of uh, CinemaScope just came in the mail today, so that was nice. I get to meet Bob the Cat tomorrow. Brody's actually coming back to the apartment tomorrow night, but I'm going to be gone. So here we are. And, uh, I it's fine. Last yeah. week was fine, right? It works. Oh, absolutely. I think, I think last week was a major success. We had a great episode, a little formally interesting. We kind of didn't do that on purpose but we had an hour with nick and then an hour with your brother morgan and uh i think a lot of information with the the draft recap you know so if anybody hasn't heard that yet uh definitely check that out and then uh yeah we had a fun conversation with your brother morg so i think we're gonna do a little bit of a shorter episode this week I wanted to uh, start us off today by reading the game notes from Coors Field as the Colorado Rockies took on the (laughs) Houston Astros today. Um, It says, using a stethoscope to listen to the heart, cardiologists can detect narrow valves, valve leakage, and or abnormal rhythm. Don't bother asking him to check your heart, though, Becky. That crushed Titanic sub has more life inside it than that collapsed troll cave you call a chest cavity. So that's like just the most normal person ever. Tough uh, day for Becky. Dude. I think Jumbotrons have been used in a positive manner for far too long, and it's time to start letting people just air out their personal grievances you know no matter how small or, or petty psychopaths should have access to large screens that are capable of providing giant information i think that that would make the world an inherently more interesting place it has to be interesting it can't just be some bullshit like some lady cut me in like, line at the grind. store it has to be something right. like juicy you know you got to give the people something right. to work with like if you want to roast becky heartless like this guy did that's right troll cape which by the way this is what i'm talking about this feels like it was uh like a a product of the writer's strike and just someone who is now bored because that's way too perfect the (laughs) collapsed troll cave it's pretty uh, excellent prose I started wondering when I saw it if Becky was actually a real person because, like, I don't know too many Beckys nowadays. Like, I feel like it, it's the same thing. Like, it, it's kind of become man. the name that it's like reference when you want to talk about an annoying white girl. 
Like, I feel like most perspective Beckys, I think, just go by Rebecca because that's like a much better name. Like, if your name is Karen, it's over. But Beckys, I think, you know, they have the out or they can go by Rebecca. If your name is Joe, it's Jover. Imagine uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Becky. That movie would suck. A woman shows up to her new husband's mansion and she can't live up to how quirky his ex-wife was becky dun 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 i don't fucking know what i'm talking about where have you actually been aside from hunting bigfoot that's right i forgot i haven't even said so i've been working at camp um in my hometown working as a combo counselor slash assistant director slash director when need be you're hanging out with a lot of kids these days a lot of kid jobs, man. Yeah. They're hiring. Nobody wants to take care of kids right now. Yeah. So uh, they're all open, I certainly don't. Open spots. Um, yeah, I guess so. So, you know, they're all paying relatively well. And Mudville is for the children. It's not, but, you know, apparently. I, I think, well, I mean, they, they probably shouldn't listen, work. but I, I would say in general. In Mudville general, is look if you're if you're uh, supportive actually, I, of the idea of the children. Like I yeah, don't particularly want to like talk to them fans, or fans. be around them, but I, I I do support them. Like we should definitely like feed and house and clothe and teach all the kids because Especially they are our future. I I, I just don't oh, want to yeah. be the one to do it. You know, that's that's fair. I have a uh, filled the role. Other people are out there doing that. I see them all the time. Yeah, that's uh, I'm, they've got I'm it covered. Uh, I don't know if I have it covered. I try. There was uh, some kids going over the IMDb list of the uh, you know like the highest the hundred highest rated movies or whatever. Like in in like the best possible way, this kid was had comments on the strangest movies on the <laughs> list. Like he you know he would go through. Like what the a good example is like at first he was like um why is the Godfather two ranked higher than the Godfather one <laughs> I was like see that makes sense. that makes sense you well, wouldn't know embrace that. debate like, that's kind of like the says, eternal question about that like I know, I, but like, I would very, rewatch both very, of those movies yeah, and well established Godfather two better than Godfather one right I think it's like a common thread I don't think people would like fight back against it like if you said it like you could have a debate i don't think anyone will call you nuts sure did this kid like seem to have much knowledge of like godfather one like was or or was he just like i I knew of the godfather what's this godfather two you speak of (laughs) right no i don't think he had seen either of them but that's part of why this was like so strange some of the other things like i think uh like gone with the wind came up and he was talking about Gone with the Wind, and he was like, oh, great movie, like Gone oh, with the boy. Wind, yeah. And then uh, Some Like It Hot, he had seen that. Okay. He had seen uh, I haven't Apocalypse even seen Gone with the Wind. Now. Like, I just kind of have no interest now, in that. Seen, I love Apocalypse Now, one of the great, uh, what else? One of the great American movies. I'm trying to think what else was sure. on this list. Wait, wait let me well, see if I can Well, this seems it. like a cool kid. Uh, you no, should take him under your wing. Very cool. It's just like there was just some that I was like, man, you, he hadn't seen The Dark Knight. Oh, my God. Whoa. Like, <laughs> like, uh, 
that right. goes against then, like, the Lord of the everything Rings I know about uh, kids. Which, yeah, kids love Batman, man. But <laughs> I was surprised. It, um, like, hadn't seen, like, Interstellar. Hadn't seen a lot of the war movies, which is fine. Um, they don't really need to see that until yeah, they're, like, no, you know, we don't thinking need... as being terrifying and not, like, fun war stuff. But um, we don't need to put war in the heads of the kids. No, they don't, they don't need up. that. Oh, hadn't seen Whiplash. I was like, you need to watch Whiplash. Wow. I also found the link. What about like was, Pulp Fiction or uh, Inglorious Bastards? Like, have the are the are the kids these days like still in the Quentin Tarantino? Oh man! I told them the one of them had because it was two kids really, but one okay. of them was the one who had like everything like fifties and sixties and seventies apparently was being like you know exposed to. So the one that really got me though is when uh, <laughs> the nineteen eighty one German U boat flick Das Boot came out. <laughs> he was like, oh, good movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh like, my god <laughs> it's like <laughs> all right you know what good for you um he was like Eternal oh Sunshine. no he liked that one i think i was like braveheart he loved braveheart he's like huge big fan of braveheart <laughs> like, big mel right. gibson guy i'm not gonna go so far as to say 12 year olds sh- shouldn't w- know what das boot is but a 12 year old who had never heard of inglorious bastards and has never seen the dark knight probably shouldn't be skipping straight to das boot like you're going you're skipping levels like one through six there and those are pretty important levels accessible material in there that you're allowed to watch (laughs) yeah to go straight to das boot like that i think is the context in which i'm most defensive of like tarantino or directors who like when young kids are like getting into movies and they start identify patterns like in these easily identifiable directors like and then i think that is a great gateway drug tarantino that leads you to scorsese and then scorsese leads you to john ford maybe i'm even skipping a couple steps john ford leads you to hawks and chaplin and keaton and then you're into the classics you know so i i think that that has always been a pathway into cinephilia that a lot of people have taken there are a lot of valid criticisms of directors like that um but i i do think that it's it's very important to like establish that so many people like millennials i think especially found their love of movies through a lot of these guys having seen these you know this specifically this kid but in general you know kids being exposed to films that are not uh only you know marvel stuff it gives you a little hope of like you know maybe hey they can appreciate some things that are um i don't know subtle and nuanced but i will say most of these kids too i i don't think the the thing about working all these jobs that i found really interesting is figuring out what they are aware of and into and Weirdly enough, um, and I'm not trying to just say this because it ties into the podcast, but they're they're really into baseball. Like, a lot of them are really into baseball, and it's like it it makes me really happy. Like I was talking. With, okay, so today, actually, today is a great example. Today, I went to a Frontier League game with the camp. Reading through some of the bios, like a lot of these guys were old, you know, farmhands for a lot of major league clubs, or they played in college, and you know, some of them clearly still want to make it and you know figure out a way up. And there was so there was a guy on the uh, on the the Gateway Grizzlies. We walked down to like you know the 
the edge of the dugout, which that was the nice thing about this game. We literally, we were walking around between the, you know, the seats that were right next to both dugouts. Like, so we were going back and forth talking to the players and like, you know, whatever, like asking for balls and all these things. And the kids were really into it. And then one of them was this guy, Josh Lucas, who actually pitched in the majors a few times. Like he has, uh, well, let me see, his 22 career games in the majors for like the Cardinals. Let me see. He has uh, the Cardinals, the, who else? The A's and the Orioles. So pretty good guy for the Immaculate Grid. Absolutely. But, um, Dude, I, I got yeah. a, a rarity score of 56 today. Mm-hmm. I was very proud of that. That's pretty good. Wait, but I was oh, okay, yeah, these kids were really like excited by the fact that this guy was like in the majors net, like you know, years ago, not years ago, but relatively a while ago, like twenty nineteen. It was sure. like his last appearance was. And I was like, this dude is in, uh, you know, he's playing frontier league baseball, and these kids are like excited about it and like getting to meet him and all these things. And I was like, man, that's that's kind of nice. They were like, who did he play for? Like, what was his deal? Who were, like they wanted to know his numbers and like you know. It was uh, it was kind of fun, and then they were also like asking who everybody was and like where they play or they in any systems or whatever. Yeah, it was just it was nice. They're like really into it. It was it was cool. Warms your heart, man. Kids talking about baseball, baseball. getting excited, watching Das Boot, dude. That's what that's what they're into these days. uh, Oakland farmhand. The kids are all right. (laughs) It's like eat hot chip and lie. It's like watch (laughs) Das. Watch Das Boot and Frontier Frontier League Baseball. I would love it. We got a little action movie recap this week on Mudville. Uh, I saw the new Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, which I thought was a lot of fun. Um, Dude, right? (laughs) Going into last week, I had only seen the first two entries in the Mission Impossible series. Uh, So I watched 3 and Ghost Protocol rogue nation and fallout uh in the span of like four or five days and then i went to the theater saw it in imax the only thing i didn't like was that i didn't exactly pick the ideal seat in regards to people walking in the aisle obstructing my view of the screen so that was a little bit disappointing but you know it is what it is i had a great time Tom Cruise is on like a one man mission to save the movies from this <laughs> corporate entity, both in the movie and in real life, apparently. Um, okay, and but is he it, though? Like, how much do you really trust Tom Cruise's intentions when it comes to making stuff? <laughs> I trust that Tom Cruise loves making movies and having movies be a thing more than he likes anything else that has ever existed in the world. And he sees, he rightfully sees streaming as a threat to that. And he is on a one man mission. He has entered this period of his career where he's making like meta textual movies about how he is like the last movie star and anybody else doing that would be like absolute narcissistic bullshit. But it's worked now two years in a row, both with Top Gun Maverick last year and now with this new Mission Impossible, like... David Ehrlich of uh, IndieWire said in his review, the plot of this movie is literally an AI entity determines that 
Tom Cruise is the only one who can stop it and it must kill him at all costs. And it's directed by Chris McQuarrie, who has made the last three of of these movies now. Um, I kind of liked what they did before where it would be a different director every time. Like the first one was Brian De Palma, who we've talked about on here a little bit before. Uh, the second was right. John Woo. So you would get like each of these guys' respective styles. And then you have J.J. Abrams. So not much discernible style. Um, but then lately they've they've handed it to Chris McQuarrie. And he's making these increasingly dangerous collaborations with... Um, I think it was because he was involved with Lost for a while. And then like I remember when... Super right. 8 came Watched out. Like, like it, it was a really big deal, and I didn't see it because like yeah. I wasn't when I was a kid. I wasn't like super into movies. Like I've had to catch up so much. Like in the past like six years, <laughs> I remember right. like Super 8 being a big thing when it came out, and like people were talking about it. And, like J.J. Abrams, and, like, like ooh, people, people were talking about him like the next Christopher Nolan, at least in my like twelve year old yeah. memory. <laughs> So the cast of these movies, like he has his crew, and which is uh, Simon Pegg, Ving Rhames, like Rebecca Simon Ferguson Pegg. has been in the the last few movies. Jeremy Renner, it's actually the most that I think I've ever liked Jeremy Renner in a role, especially sure. in Ghost Protocol. Like usually, I find you know if didn't he almost die yeah he he ran himself over with a snowplow and everybody was acting like he survived 911 they were like you are a hero and we love you and what? it was like <laughs> he literally he like mr plowed himself i feel like jeremy renner is kind of like the weird mailman in a lot of the movies that i've seen him in but I did really like him in uh, especially Ghost Protocol a lot. I thought his character brought... Although, the the plot in that movie... Well, invol- I won't spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it, but there's like this whole convoluted thing about him and his past arc involving Ethan's wife. And in like the third, fourth, and fifth movies, we have no idea if Ethan's wife is alive or dead. Either because we're not supposed to know, or we're intentionally misled, or she's just been written out completely. (laughs) And then, but I I will say they salvaged that quite well in the sick movie, and the action, of course, throughout is remarkable. Tom Cruise seems dedicated to be a man that dies making a movie kills himself performing a stunt i I feel like he will i I think if there's anybody alive right now who's gonna die on a movie set and i respect him all all the more for it um yeah i guess to summarize the mission impossible movies aptly titled do we have to see sound of freedom do you think (laughs) what it sound of free oh Oh, you don't know about it yet i know i've heard about it it's the uh it's the freaking uh I don't know. It's the psycho right wing. Yeah, it's like it's a movie that stars Jim Caviezel, who is a huge QAnon guy. Yeah, (laughs) and it's about uh, him saving children from being sex trafficked. I've listened to a few podcasts about it that have 
covered it quite extensively. Like, I don't really have any interest in watching this movie. I don't see how it could provide any value to me. Yeah. I have had a few people that have asked me, like, about this movie, just, like, in conversation, just, like, regular people who assume it's just, like, some huge movie. And from what I understand about it, it's not, like, explicitly, like, QAnon. Like, from what I understand, QAnon is more, like, the idea that the elites and primarily Democrats are, like, harboring children in, like, tunnels and, like, eating them for energy or some shit. And there isn't any of that in this movie. It's just Jim Caviezel taking on, like, regular, normal sex traffickers, not not any of the DC people, I guess. I don't know. But it's attracted such a huge like right-wing crowd of these people who have suddenly decided that human trafficking is this like huge problem. Um, okay, but like it is a problem, but like not like where it needs to devour every waking second that you have. Like yeah. it's like it's like priority number 27 probably. And, like, kind of just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Like, everyone's like Cool, me too. <laughs> My not involved in human trafficking shirt caused a ruckus at the premiere of this movie. If anything, like, skeeves me out about this, it's the idea that, like, regular people, moviegoers, will go into this not knowing that it's, like, a very thinly veiled uh, QAnon op, essentially, like, without being able well, to go as far as that. Absolutely. Um, Like, right-wing organizations were buying out screenings of this showing, and all that that resulted in was people, like, showing up and then filming the the theaters and being like, they said it was sold out and there's nobody here. Like, as if they would have gotten something out of making this movie, like, a huge hit, but not having anyone actually in the theaters. Like, yeah. I don't know what the logic behind that would be. If I was running a theater, I'd make sure that I had a bunch of screenings for it and was like, man. It's a hilarious way to find out that this movie has has been astroturfed. It's certainly not the first time that there's been like a right-wing Christian blockbuster that's like made a bunch of money or movies that have um, explicitly like targeted this market of like mid midwestern right-wingers who like don't really have any knowledge of like what is happening with movies and just wants just want to like see something that appeals to what they already believe there are people like kevin sorbo for example who have made a career making these shitty knockoff movies without directors and like he makes a killing just because it's like these people who are so convinced that like Hollywood is out to get them and that everyone's a liberal. And then they're like, oh, and then there's this guy. He's just fighting for the nice patriotic Americans or whatever the fuck. Um, the one now? Was it Scott Bakula? Or, uh... No, Scott Baio. <laughs> Scott, Scott Baio. Scott Bakula's innocent. Uh, <laughs> he was the no, one that was, was insane. In, we ran into Bakula. <laughs> he's trying to steal our leap. <laughs> Of course, all of these people now are are becoming ultra-paranoid, of course, because of this movie, and going around into, like, 
grocery stores and shit and confronting the parents of crying children being like is this your kid did you steal this kid oh, and like yeah, i heard about this i yeah. can't imagine that the success of this movie is doing anything to prevent actual sex trafficking like i, I mean, can't can imagine anyone involved in that and even like knows and it exists should walk up to you like are you a sex <laughs> right-wing media has done to these people's brains it's very fair to judge at least partially judge a movie on the impact it has on the people who watch it and the world at right. large and when you're getting mothers of infant children harassed in grocery stores i would say yeah. your movie has resulted in a net negative negative on the uh, on the culture how would you define the word chud chud um i mean i, I can give you like what i, I picture like i movie up there i picture like a guy who has a thick neck and like a neck thick neck beard. and a tank top yeah i mean i, I was gonna say like a white t-shirt maybe with like a anheuser-busch logo and like a stain but or, it's like not a, a stain from something he was. Oh no! Also a flag tattoo. He would have that as well. And yeah. then on his left calf, he has a tattoo of like Porky Pig or something. That's good. That's good. And it says Definitely that's like all, really folks. Dumb sunglasses, but... like baseball player sunglasses that always look weird when they're not being worn by a baseball player who's actively playing baseball. Oh yeah, he, he's wearing Oakleys, but he hasn't actually ran since 2007. He pulls up in his jorts, socks and sandals, <laughs> but like one of the socks is kind of like pulled down all the way. There's um, a hole in the toe. Yeah, one of yeah. his one of his toes is like poking out. Um, yeah. Dude, all right. So if we just described you, like, sorry, but like, <laughs> listen, no. if we just described you and you have no interest in seeing the movie Sound of Freedom, you're probably fine. Um, That's true. <laughs> I think there's also there's a mentality to being a chud. Absolutely, that is, like, your appearance, like who you are. Chud is not pure a purely aesthetic notion. It, right. Uh, there's a uh, there's a whole philosophy aspect of chudness that we have not dove into. Chud <laughs> is, is a very philosophical term. It's not one that can be brought to a science, but I do think it's one that can be loosely defined, and I think it's one that is also very. Uh, it's uh, it's ideologically how the Court based. Pornography in the if you know what, what I'm saying. Yeah, I I know it when I see it. You know when you see it. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> The last thing that I'll say about this movie is uh, it's like a very open secret that a lot of the appeal of it is this unspoken implication that this human trafficking is like sex trafficking being done by the elites and the politicians and shit, which is probably true. But these people, the audience who are going to see Sound of Freedom, their ideas of like pedophile cabals are Hillary Clinton and like the democratic national convention right. or whatever because right-wing media has been has become so linked to like info wars bullshit that a movie like this that claims to be you know ostensibly good like fighting for the right things and like wanting to save these kids or whatever it just like ends up being thinly veiled propaganda for people who think barack obama eats lizards and joe biden is installing yeah. a secret communist revolution 
this is like it's going down the exact same vein of the things that led to the uh, the pizza shop getting like I don't remember if it got shot up or someone just brought a gun in there, but like innocent people almost got yeah, shot. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Like, like shit like that happens all the time. Right wing vigilantes with guns are like the single most dangerous demographic in the country, but you would never hear that yeah. based in anywhere. But but you're hearing it right now on the, on the Mudville podcast. You heard it here first. Uh, no, I think most people are aware of that. I think it's just like, you know. Yeah, I don't want to have to see Sound of Freedom. <laughs> Certainly not going to go see it in theaters. I feel like not interested in that. I feel well, like honestly, it's a hazardous situation. Yeah, and then see if it's like All the tickets are sold out anyway, so. but completely empty. Like, I don't know, it, yeah. if it's going to take up a place in, like, the zeitgeist of regular people, like, I probably have to see it. Because if if those people are going to be in terrible hands, like, QAnon psychos, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to put some sort of moral responsibility onto myself to, like, be aware of what that is, be you know? What they're talking about. Well, the you thing can give me a round of applause. Like- literally ringing a bell for these people to go and like you know it's like group up and take in their newest prop <laughs> like, yeah it's, it's called sound of freedom not the sound of freedom right. presumptively because they didn't want to be confused with the sound of music which would be really funny <laughs> very similar films oh yeah uh, <laughs> double feature next week yeah yeah, yeah. both starring uh what's your name too so <laughs> <laughs> julie andrews Julie Andrews, yeah, yeah, star of the Sound of Freedom. She's gonna be in the next one. She's gonna help Jim Caviezel, and they're also gonna get Mel Gibson for this one. Um, Right. Speaking of which, I Infowars the movie. Yeah, (laughs) like I'm super cautious about what like this is gonna lead to with these predatory film financiers trying to like make a quick buck and like stir up more of these awful oh, don't even, I, ideas dude, I and like link producers uh, now have a whole new like cash cow all you have to do is make some like piece of shit propaganda movie and all of a sudden you'll have like all the evangelicals gathering up their buddies and going down to the theater on a sunday and things like cockroaches yeah. yep it's disgusting we're going to see the american flag bell ringer is here to stay or whatever i, I saw indiana jones five <laughs> Number five. Okay. Yeah. Talk about that. I'm the, I honestly have, I don't know too much about Indiana Jones. Um, I saw number four when I was a kid. I went to see it in theaters. I had never seen any of the first seen. ones. Uh, I have since seen Raiders, uh, which was fun. You know, it, it was a good time. I don't exactly yeah. re- remember too much of what happened in it. I've never seen That's Temple of Doom. Uh, yeah, I've I've never seen yeah. whatever the third one is. Um, so yeah, that is, this uh, is this is gonna be your jurisdiction. I'm gonna bow out of sure. Indiana Jones. Hit it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like a huge Indiana Jones guy. I've seen the first one and the third one, and then I have seen uh, I saw the fourth one too when I was a kid because it came out and it was like you know I was like 12 and everyone was like let's go see the Indiana Jones even though nobody like knew anything about it. Sure. Um. But uh, this one, I so I, I saw it for work uh, with the camp, and I actually liked it. Like I, I was kind of surprised. I like I'm like the only person I think who liked this movie. But I, it, there's I learned a few things about myself. Number one, 
Um, I love a race to treasure between two like adversaries who have like fun, witty banter with each other the whole time. Um, And the reason that I have that, I think, is because I love Uncharted, and it was basically just like an Uncharted movie, but with Harrison Ford, which I enjoyed very much. Did you Um, watch the actual Uncharted uh, movie? No, I have not seen the actual Uncharted movie, because that's not an Uncharted movie. (laughs) I heard it was terrible. (laughs) It has Tom Holland, and, uh, you know, I don't don't need that. And also, um, freaking Marky Mark. I don't don't need any of that in my in my Uncharted. I don't you know what's weird to, to th- think about? I he- I have to hear about Tom Holland so much. I don't think I have ever seen him in a movie other than uh, Infinity War and Endgame in which he was just like one of 300 people. Um, I saw I've never seen any of his of like Spider-Man movies. I didn't see his Uncharted. I didn't watch his Russo Brothers cherry shit that I heard was awful. Like, it that. doesn't seem like he's ever been in anything good. But... I don't really think he has. Like, yeah. those Spider-Man movies are, like, fine. I don't but know. He's like, like, he might be a good actor. I have no idea. But, yeah, I think I'm, like, kind of the only person who liked this movie. It was a bit too long, but also, like, the action pieces were great. I thought, like, the... Uh, I was kind of surprised at how good, like, the car chases were and good use of, like, improvised weaponry. Just, like, you know, fun things. That, like, you know, you watch it and you're like, oh, that's fun. Like, that's a little different. Yeah, you've seen so many action movies. It's like whenever one can kind of make you think, like, oh, I don't know if I've seen that before. It's done its job. So I thought that, you know, it actually did do that a, a few times. So I was like, all right, good enough. Yeah, it is fun stuff. directed by James Mangold, uh, quite the accomplished director, made Walk the Line, the Johnny Cash biopic, directed Logan, Recently, Ford versus Ferrari. He's doing the upcoming Bob Dylan biopic with Timothy Chalamet. So, not really a straight line that I can connect (laughs) between those five. But, um, yeah, definitely a very competent and fun director. What is it? The dude makes dad movies. Yeah, he totally makes dad movies. It's true. James Mangold, your dad's favorite director. Yeah, he, your dad also definitely does not know his name. <laughs> <laughs> your dad's favorite director who he's never heard of. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but if you were like, but he made these movies, you'd be like, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I also went to see my favorite movie in a theater this week. Uh, I got to see oh, Inherent oh. Vice. Yeah, I went to Metrograph, and I had a great time. It actually wasn't the, the first time I had ever been to see it in theaters uh, back in 2019, I went with a friend to see a double feature of Inherent Vice and Altman's The Long Goodbye. Uh, and we had like a mandatory uh, school-wide like meeting that night that we forgot about and we had to miss the first like hour of Inherent Vice and we were so mad about that. <laughs> <laughs> we had already seen it so like we we got over it and we got to watch all of the long goodbye which i had never seen and i had quite a good time with that um and of course i enjoyed it again this time you know it's a movie that you know of as being dense and you know of as thinking like following the plot isn't like the main appeal of this but but it would be nice and you know rewatches of this have certainly helped me understand it Dude, I and need the, to like rewire my brain to watch that movie. Right, it's it's so, it's really like singular. <laughs> Pinchon had never been 
adapted for the screen before that and uh how i think could you? It's yeah like no exactly <laughs> and i feel like paul thomas anderson kind of did the impossible with it and he made just a really incredible movie that i love so much and i will rewatch endlessly and um that is it's just very Pinchon important to me knows, i wonder if Pinchon even knows that that movie exists <laughs> There's a rumor that uh, he's in it for like a second or something, but nobody has ever been able to even find like what the theory yeah, is no for it. Like, like I think so. maybe, I think like Josh Brolin said something about him being like slightly involved or something. Like he certainly, I bet like PTA has had several conversations with him like throughout the years and has oh, just dude. never said anything about that because. That'd be a very PTA move. He's like a, a hermit, right? Or at least not a hermit, but just... Yeah. He's a recluse, yeah. He, he doesn't, recluse, he doesn't give uh, interviews at all. Like, he's never... Yeah. He also like, just might not want, like, any kind of public life, which I completely would understand. Like, totally for, get it. You know, like, the yeah. only known picture you, of him was from, like, 1950 at Cornell... Which is wild. There's one more that they think is him, but there's no way to prove it. I yeah, think, he's but... looking like Dumbledore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of uh, looks like you a little bit. <laughs> I don't know about that. Like in the in the old man one. Not saying that you look like an old man. I'm just saying he has like <laughs> uh, I don't know, just like the thin face, kind of. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know Maybe. Yeah. yeah. But hey, something about it. But, Inherent vice, just. Yeah endlessly quotable movie like line after line of just perfect deliveries like everybody's in the zone like one thing that i always tend to say whenever i i watch the master is like this is the perfect example of a movie in which everyone involved is just firing on all cylinders and like i just looked at this picture you don't like thomas pigeon (laughs) okay thank you i appreciate that i'm glad we could clear that up never mind I take it back. (laughs) Thank you. You do look like Josh Rosen, though, the former quarterback. Uh, I've I've heard that. Yeah, Yeah. Um, that that one goes back. That's a deep cut. (laughs) That is a bit of a deep cut. Yeah, yeah. Just my my favorite movie. If you haven't seen it, absolutely watch it. If you've only seen it once and you were like, "That was okay," I didn't really know what was happening. Absolutely watch it again. I had the same reaction the the first time I saw it when I was like 19. I watched it again and again, and uh, like I said, it, I think it's my favorite movie in the world, even though that changes every day. <laughs> it's certainly in the conversation. Dude, I, that you have, I think, now at this point, said that for so long that it has been. Uh, I think it's getting locked in there. It, it's probably <laughs> official. Like, yeah, I think that's fair. It's just it, it's so good. You're at point where you'd have to bring it up forever now yeah. if somebody asked you what your favorite is. I think that's true. <laughs> um, you couldn't change later on. <laughs> what else we have for this week? Philly's doctor has recommended Andrew Painter for Tommy John surgery, which is oh, incredibly yeah. frustrating considering that he was diagnosed with a UCL tear back in March and they decided that it was the part of the ligament where they hoped that they could just ignore it despite the fact that he was a then 19 year old pitching prospect who was favored to crack the starting rotation out of spring training had his timeline 
delayed when they could have just gotten the surgery and had him ready for maybe like May or June of 2024. Instead, they prolonged it four months. They made him keep throwing. Um, they really didn't handle it well in hopes that he would be able to return this season. And now they're, they've probably cost him all of his 2024 season as well. And it, it's just, it, it makes me very sad to see a player like that go down for so long. He was, he was one of the guys that I was the most excited about coming into the year. And the fact that we're now not going to see him, he'll only be 21 or 22 at the time. So like that's still going to be presumably the number one or two pitching prospect in the game when he eventually returns. But my God, is it depressing to see Tommy John after all of this saga with him. Dude, when I first got that update, I, I you know, I remember like yelling through the door. I thought it was like, um, like confirmed that he was going to be getting a surgery at the time. I couldn't believe that they went this long. Like he's so young, just you have to just do it. I think at that age, like it's yeah, it's brutal. But I mean, there's no point in waiting if you're that young. You just kind of have to. Like everyone has to get it once, and yeah. maybe now this means that he won't have to get it for like another ten years or something like Degrom. But you'd like, hope. I you know yeah you'd hope, but. I think it's like all these pitchers get it at least one time. It feels like so. Yeah, I, it, it even certainly guys who haven't had it. Like, <laughs> it seems like you can like name them on one hand these days. But it definitely plays I mean, into the idea of like young pitchers having. You know, you just have to assume that like a year and a half is going to be taken out of some point in time. The fact that they're cold get Tommy John. I don't think so, but he could have earlier in, in his career. Um, I, I have never heard it associated with his name before. Like, I don't, I don't know that, that he's a guy who like necessarily exerts more than league average. So maybe he hasn't been as like susceptible to it, but it's the guys like DeGrom, the ones who were topping at like 96, 97 and are now throwing 102 and can't stay healthy. Like it's the guys who are just overthrowing and it's very possible that uh, Andrew Painter had been overthrowing for a while, but with a guy like that, right. Especially it, it just sucks that you're turning your lost year into a lost two years now. And we're not going to see him until 2025. Cole had a Cole had shoulders or shoulder issues the same year that Tyone got Tommy John while on the pirates, which is kind of funny. Huh? That was interesting. Weird. Yeah. Huh. Um, anyway, I, yeah, I think <laughs> right now, you know what? I, I want to do the Yankees just because I, I feel it. And do you want to just get just, it out? Yeah, that, that's fine. Do you want to? I just need to flush you it. You can vent. Um, it's to the point that I don't care. Me too. And that is so much so more, sad. more pathetic than being mad or mm-hmm. sad or angry or I don't care. <laughs> like, yeah. and I was listening to the radio last week, and they were like, "Do Yankee fans even like the team, or do they just like the winning?" It's like that's not fair because we have been sold this brand our whole life that they care just as much as we do, and it doesn't feel like that anymore. That they were so like it's the not even team like a that for the same that would team. go above and beyond to win, and like. I don't even think that I like the idea of like a team that has more money and can like buy more players or whatever. And that's what the Yankees were for so long. But 
the fact that they right. have just turned into this the strange like fiscally conservative era where they're like bringing in these weird freak businessmen to like run the team and they've given brian cashman this unprecedented job security he has literally held his job as general manager since before i was born and it's resulted in one championship over the past 20 years we've talked about it in the past like i don't want to be like one of those people that's like oh you're not winning and i'm like where whatever the fact that there has been so much ineptitude over the past like three to five years especially that has never been addressed or even questioned it it feels like it just feels like there's so much complacency within all levels of the organization we've talked about it before but i've just i felt so alienated as a yankees fan especially the thing i've said time and time again and will probably continue to when they showed the uh, 2004 um alcs video i just felt like that was that was the straw that would eventually break the camel's back and i think it's very it, it's been a very procedural and gradual okay. breaking but that back has finally fractured and it is so clear now that everything that the Yankees and Brian Cashman have tried to do. People are finally realizing that this idea of replacing veterans with other veterans and pouring a lot of money into very short-term outlets that don't end up panning out is not a winning strategy. And the teams who are set up the best for the future and the teams, some of which who are winning already, who are succeeding much faster than they ever expected to are the teams who have developed talent and really invested in scouting and who have worked to really develop as an organization and not just like thrown money at these weird veterans that don't produce anyway like it's a weird complaint to make about a team that we have never seen have a losing season but it feels like they've chosen eternal mediocrity over a chance to build something that could lead to more long-term success. Like they need to start thinking of judge and Cole as the old guys before the window with them ends, because they do have the talent to retool and make it happen like next year, the next year after that, like they, they're the Yankees. They can absolutely do that. But the fact that they, have just shown such little life all year and have just looked so bad. It's, it's just so clear that they need to sell and that they need to replace a lot of their front office and just that changes need to be made. And I I think there are a lot of teams in a similar situation, like the Padres and the Mets threw so much money at, at rosters in the off season. And they both are like, well under 500 like obviously the cardinals are doing terrible there's been a lot of pain around a lot of fan bases this year i think on a a lot of like northeastern big market teams like this i think is going to be a year without any new york baseball in the postseason had a few weeks ago of everybody it feels like is underperforming yeah yeah all of the uh, expected favorites it's just yeah every other team it was like tries their prospects at some point 
Like they they bring them up, they get them ready, and you know what doesn't work, trade them away, failed prospect, whatever. Um, you missed, move on. The Yankees just end up deciding that the the holes in the roster cannot possibly be filled by guys who are question marks and they need to be known commodities, even if the known bit is bad. So <laughs> like they don't want to <laughs> risk anything. Exactly. They would rather know what they're getting from an old man who cannot run anymore like Josh Donaldson or John Carlos than maybe try on Ezekiel Duran. Or, hey, you know what? Let's trade him away for Joey Gallo because we know what we're going to get out of him. Let's, uh, you know, all the, the young pitchers that we whatever. Not the point. There's just, like, they don't. Or, all right, perfect example, case in point, Esteban Florial. By the way, Harrison Bader is hurt. Just got that news. Oh, cool. Um, He left the game tonight with uh, a rib contusion. And, like, again, I, if this was two weeks ago, I'd literally be screaming upset. I just don't care. When it rains, it pours. I'm genuinely bad for Bader because I want to like him so bad, and I know he wants to be, like, a, a great Yankee, and I, he probably wants to win here more than anyone and he wants us to love him. And I like I do be just because he showed up in the playoffs last year. Yeah, he did. And I love him more than most of the guys on the team because of that. It's just such a shame because they're not going to bring him back because he can't stay healthy. And this it's a posterior rib contusion. Oh, so I don't know what happened because we're not watching the game because I can't take it anymore. But it sounds like you got hit in the <laughs> rib, maybe, or like oh, you dove man. or something. I have no idea. But um, either way, you expect now – Maybe Pereira or Florial or something. I I wouldn't be surprised if someone might make a trade tonight for I don't know like Grichik or something like. <laughs> That's been it for this week. Uh, hopefully it's the end of remote yeah, Mudville. But uh, <laughs> we've done a good job. That's been all. If you haven't already, toss us a five star rating and review. It helps us out a lot. If you've enjoyed this, uh, check out our past two episodes. We put out quite a bit of content about the uh, MLB draft and we also talked to a couple of really fun guests.